Amen. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Uh, we are so excited to see you here with us this morning. A mic. Um, as we collectively worship God the Father in spirit and in truth, and um, we always want to give a, a special uh, welcome to our visitors. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, or if you're just passing through, or if you're thinking about finding a church home, we're so excited and happy that you're here with us today. If you would do us a favor, there's a card in the back of your pew. Take that out. Fill it out. You can pass that card in to me or to one of our shepherds, or there's a box in the foyer. Uh, there's some people from Texas, so foyer out there, and you can put that, that card in that, <laughs> in that box. Oh, boy, Texas. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and we'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can send you a note and say thank you for being here with us. Uh, we'd love to have you come back out. and You're always welcome here whenever the doors are open. Uh, as you know, for the past five weeks, we've been working our way through a sermon series entitled The Jesus Heart. And as we study the life of Jesus, we notice something so special and so different about his heart. And in the stories of the Gospels, we get a chance to see his heart, which we defined a couple of weeks ago as the intellectual and the innermost, uh, inner, intellectual and emotional innermost parts of, of a person. And I'm confident if we did a show of hands that, that all of us here this morning would say we want to have a heart like Jesus. And we've looked at five different characteristics uh, of Jesus' heart up to this point. Uh, the first was the listening heart of Jesus and how we ought to be good listeners. Week number two, we talked about the focused heart and how we ought to be focused in a busy and confusing world. Week number three, we talked about the importance of having a forgiving heart and letting things go, which none of us struggle with at all. Forgiveness is easy. Amen. We talked about the importance of having an enduring heart, and last week, the importance of being filled with hope. So this morning, we are going to conclude our sermon series with talking about the crescendo uh, perspective or idea of Jesus' heart that we should all work hard to have, and that's the compassionate heart. Compassionate heart. I was talking to uh, one of our members uh, this week, and she gave me a call, and she said, Jason, her name was Sue Bishop, I believe, uh, and she called me, and she said, Jason, I just have to call you and tell you something. Uh, my husband received a card in the mail from uh, a couple of our members here, and he was having a hard time. He was a little down because of some physical things, and when he received that letter, that turned his whole day around, and I just want to call the church and say thank you for thinking about us. And she said, Jason, would you please mention that from the pulpit? So there you go, Sue, I did. Compassion is what the Lord wants from his disciples. We are called to be compassionate people. So as we begin this morning, let's start off with reading our statement on the next slide that we've started with every Sunday up to this point. You guys join me as we read this together. God loves me just the way I am, but he refuses to leave me that way. He wants me to have a heart like Jesus. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Amen. God loves you in all your brokenness, in all your wonderful attributes, in all your gifts and talents, but he refuses to leave you that way and to leave me that way. He wants us to ever be 
changing and growing into a more complete image of Jesus. And I love and I thank the Lord for that. So this morning, as stated, we are going to be talking about compassion. So the first thing that I want to do is start with a good working definition of compassion. So what is compassion? Well, compassion is the emotion that we feel in response to the suffering of others, which motivates in us a desire to help. So we think when it comes to compassion, we think about the suffering of other people. I know what it's like to suffer. I do. Mary's been gone for three weeks. <laughs> I've had to make my own dinner. <laughs> Woo! I had to clean the house. That's, I, I know what it's like to suffer, right? And I want to thank the church here. I said it last week, but thank you so much for many of you who have showed me compassion. You've invited me out to lunch. You've called me up and said, Jason, are you, are you okay? You're hanging in there. I say, yes. I know what it's like to suffer. Mary is coming back on Tuesday, so my suffering. Amen. You can say amen today. Amen if you can. So excited that she's uh, coming, about, coming back. S- suffering. We look at someone's condition of suffering and we, we offer compassion to, to counteract what is going on in their lives. Suffering. The other day, uh, I want to say yesterday as a matter of fact, I woke up in the morning and I got out of the bed and I sneezed and my back went out. I guess I'm getting older and I understand, some of you, yeah, right. Some of you, you know, as we get older, the body begins to decay and, 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 and we go through difficulties. The body breaks down and, and many of us suffer over time. There's suffering around us all the time. It's all over the place. Here in America, we say that we don't see much suffering. And for the most part, that's true. But people all around us are suffering physically. Maybe they have some ailments or some issues that they're having a hard time with. Uh, Emotionally, maybe they're struggling through some hard stuff. Financially, maybe they're not in a good place and they're suffering. And the Lord tells us that we ought to be compassionate people and look at their condition and be willing to help. So I want to look at our first uh, verse this morning found in Luke chapter 7. Um... In verses 13 through 15. But before we even get there, as always, I want to set the context of what was going on here. So Jesus is going around to various towns and cities with his disciples. He comes to this one area, and he went up to this fig tree. You guys remember the story. And he was looking to find fruit on it and didn't find any fruit, so he cursed the fig tree. The next story in that, in that section is that he comes across the centurion, this guy with a lot of faith, and Jesus got to witness his faith and said some kind words about him. And then we pull up to this next section of Scripture, and we get to verse number 13. And the story goes that Jesus was traveling to the town of Nyan. And as he was traveling to this town, he sees a funeral procession. He sees many people weeping, many people crying, and in particular, he sees this woman who had a heavy expression on her face, was obviously suffering because her child, her one child, her only child had just passed away. In addition to that, she was a widow, already lost her husband, but now loses her one child, her son. And Jesus walks into this town and sees all this stuff going on. And then the Bible says here in verse number 13, When the Lord saw her, 
his heart overflowed with compassion. He saw the suffering of this woman in his heart. I love that term, overflowed with compassion. Oh, I hope that we have hearts that overflow with compassion. If we want to change this world, if we really want to help people, we have to have hearts that overflow with compassion. And Jesus said, don't cry. What do you mean, Jesus, don't cry? Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk to those around him, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Powerful story of Jesus' compassion. And if you read uh, stories of Jesus throughout the gospel, we often see him showing overflowing compassion. One of the very first verses that I ever memorized in the Bible was, Jesus wept. Yeah, I still know it today, too. <laughs> there you go. Jesus wept. And in response to that condition, he was looking on a person with compassion. And Jesus had episodes where we see a lot of compassion throughout, throughout Scripture. He had a compassionate heart. That's the Jesus that we serve. And on the flip side, as I think about that in comparison to my life, I want you to, I want you to think about this. God puts people in your life every single day who need your help. Every single day, there is someone that you come across in your life that needs help. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we have eyes to see that they need help? Because oftentimes they're so preoccupied and busy with what we've got going on, we don't have time to worry about what you're going through. And in the busyness of our culture, we just, we just don't have time for people. And they're suffering. Are we too busy to help sometimes? I hope not, because Jesus wants us to have this same compassionate heart. And as I look at Jesus, with all the things that he had going on, he was never too busy to stop and to help somebody. Amen? So we should mimic that same mentality. We're never too busy to stop and to say a kind word and to help somebody. So this morning, I just want you to think about where you are in that process. Next slide, next verse. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 44. Uh, we see this text here. It's a very interesting text because it's, it, it's funny how it starts. Jesus is with two of his disciples, uh, James and John, I believe, and they were talking and having a discussion. And these two disciples, James and John, went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, hey, I don't know about the other, other 10, but us two, we want to make sure that when we go to heaven, we get to sit on your right side. What is it that we have to do to make sure that we are on your right side in glory so we can receive this seat that we want so much? What is it that we need to do, Jesus? And then Jesus calls them over and says in verse number 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Listen to this now. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. 
So Jesus took this idea of what it means to be powerful or what it means to have authority, and he completely flips it upside down. And he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a really, really good servant. If you want to be great, you have to have compassion, a compassionate heart to serve others. And I want you to remember this. You're never too important to serve. Never. It takes a big person to do something small. Amen? When I was in uh, college, uh, I got to meet one of the uh, persons uh, that, that I looked up to big time. Uh, maybe you've heard of this guy. His name is Colin Powell. Colin Powell, you've heard of him, right? So, famous general. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know him, by the way. No, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> Plug. Uh, Colin Powell actually came to Harding uh, to give a speech. Uh, and I didn't know he was coming. I remember I was walking to the student center to get my Chick-fil-A uh, breakfast biscuit. And uh, I see this figure, very tall figure, that looks similar to Colin Powell. So I make a beeline and go over to him. And sure enough, Colin Powell is getting out of this car, getting ready to walk into the Heritage Inn, which is the hotel on campus. So I run over there, and I open the door for him as he's bringing his bags in. And he looked at me, and he's very tall. He said, thank you so much, son. I said, you're welcome, sir. And I, that's all I wanted to do, just see him and say, hey, how's it going, buddy? You know, not really. I could say that to a general, but you get where I'm going. He turned to me, and he said, young man, what's your name? And when he asked me that question, I was just floored. This is General Colin Powell. I said, my name is Jason. He said, uh, tell me about yourself. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a football player here, and I'm studying to get my bachelor's, and I'm also in the Army. He said, really? He said, Jason, I want you to do me a favor this evening. I want you to say the Pledge of Allegiance at my speech this, this afternoon in front of about 6,000 people. I said, what? <laughs> I said, I'll be there. Uh, hopefully I won't forget the words, but I got to lead the Pledge of Allegiance in my uniform next to General Colin Powell in front of about 6,000 people, and I was just floored. And after the speech, after his presentation, he came up to me and he said, stick your hand out, son. I was like, oh, what'd I do? What'd I do? And I had it like this. He flipped it over and he said, here's $100 for you. Thanks for your service. Uh, I really appreciate what you did. He said, tell me more about yourself. So I began to talk about my family. And he said, you know what? Uh, I'll be praying for you and your ministry. Uh, thank you for your service. And went on about his business. I thought that was so special because this guy was a huge figure, but took the time to talk to me. And I thought that was awesome. So I'll tell you what, church, you're never too important to encourage, to serve someone else. It takes a big person to do something small. And I want you to remember this. When you serve others, you're really serving God. That's it. When you serve others, you're serving, you're serving God. And we should be looking to serve someone every single day that we have breath in our lungs. What can I do for someone today? I wish we had that mentality and mindset. Many of you do. Many of us need work on that. But I wish we would think in those terms, what can I do to help somebody today? Next verse, Mark chapter, no, oh no, John chapter 4, <laughs> Mark chapter 9, John chapter 4. <laughs> we'll go to uh, uh, the, the previous one, chapter 4, John chapter 4. 
Um, I love this text. This, this text is powerful as well. Uh, it, it speaks to this, this idea of what serving others does for you. John chapter 4, uh, verses 31 through 34 says this. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So you guys uh, remember this story. It's the story of uh, the Samaritan woman. So Jesus, again, was traveling through regions, came to this well, and there was a Samaritan woman there, and he began this dialogue with her about living water, right? So you guys remember the story and begin to question her life and see where she was spiritually. The disciples at that moment said, okay, we're going to go into town and we're going to buy Jesus some food because he's probably hungry. So the disciples leave, they go into town, and they pick up this food for Jesus, and then they, and then they come back. And this is the encounter that they have. They say, Jesus, we brought you this food. Go ahead and eat. But Jesus refused to eat. He said, I don't need that right now. And they were like, did, okay, did he get a Snickers from somewhere else or something? Like, what? Did he eat already? And he said, no. My food is to do the will of my Father and serve other people. So what does that mean? That means when you go out of your way to serve someone else, it doesn't deplete you, it replenishes you. And many of you have been there before. Gone on a mission trip or went out of your way to go do something for somebody else, and what happened? You were the one that was being blessed. Did you notice that? There's, there's this weird juxtaposition of these two ideas. You serve, but yet you're getting filled in the process of serving other people. And that's what Jesus meant right here. He said, my food, I get my fill by serving other people. And church, I believe if you want to feel on fire for the Lord spiritually, if you want to be growing in your faith, there's nothing like serving other people getting involved in ministries. It really does something to your relationship with you and God and your spirituality. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father. I hope that we have that same mentality. All right, now let's get to Mark chapter 9. <laughs> Mark chapter 9. Uh, very familiar passage. If anyone gives you even a cup of water, because you belong to the Messiah, I assure you that person will be rewarded. New Living Translation, many of your translations say it a little different, but I love how it says it here. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I assure you that person will be rewarded. I want to say this. When you serve others, don't worry about receiving praise or repayment because God is keeping a record of everything that you do. You know that? I know some people who serve others so that they can be served. I'm going to do this for that person so when it comes time for me, they're going to do it back for me. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you just serve out of the goodness of your heart and you don't expect to receive anything in return. But I'm telling you, I know some people, I'm going to do this so I can set myself up so that this person can do that for me and then we'll have that relationship of codependency. No, that's not, that's not it. 
I need you to do this because I did that for you. And they'll throw it in your face quick. But the Bible says, when you serve, don't, don't expect to receive anything, any praise from anybody. You know why? You don't need to do that because God is keeping a record of every time you serve. And what you're doing is you're storing up treasures in heaven. I know some people, they get their feelings hurt when they do something and they don't receive praise from men. Don't worry about that. Don't get discouraged by that. The angels are praising in heaven because of what you did. Why are you worried about these people down here? <laughs> so don't be discouraged, but continue to serve and know that God is going to bless you because of your service here in the flesh. The Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What you do in secret, God will reward openly, but God is in charge of the repayment. Don't, don't worry about that. I want to look at... Uh, uh, one more passage, and then I'll be done. It's found, and it's not on the screen, but it's Matthew chapter 25. You guys turn there with me in your Bibles. Matthew 25, and uh, I want to look at uh, verses 37 through 40. I'll give you a second. Matthew chapter 25, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When, you, when did we see you sick or, or in prison and go to visit you? Verse number 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And really, I just want to end with that verse. Whenever you serve somebody, you're really serving Jesus. You're doing it for him. And there's nothing but blessings that can come as a result of serving other people. So this morning, as we conclude, as we conclude this, this sermon series, uh, I hope that you've been encouraged in talking about these principles, the listening heart, the focused heart, forgiving heart, enduring heart, the hope-filled heart, and the compassionate heart of Jesus. And I hope and pray that you keep some of these principles that we looked at and studied together and make them applicable in your life. But what a great time to end this series in thinking about compassion because that's what the Lord desires and wants from all of us. So this morning, I hope that you leave this place, and as this week progresses, you'll say to yourself, who has God put in my life right now that needs my help, and what can I do about it? This morning, we've got a song of invitation selected. Jared's going to leave us in that song here in a moment. If there is anyone here that has been falling short in this area of service, maybe you hadn't been given it your all, Maybe you have been too busy to look upon the sufferings or the difficulties that other people are encountering and you hadn't been doing much. There's nothing closer to the heart of God than to serve someone else. And God would be pleased if you did that. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you're looking to give your life to the Lord. We always want to give you the opportunity to become a Christian. We'll baptize you today and Legoland is down so it'll be easy, amen, this morning to make that happen. Yes, sir. Thank you. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation.